Now, none of us had a word this morning, but um, it seems the Lord's been speaking to us about Jacob. Now, I would like to just draw your attention to three things. First of all, um, the scriptures that we've had read to us this morning. Uh, Psalm 46... Psalm 46 and verse 11. Psalm 46, verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Isaiah 43 and verse 1. But now... Thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. Chapter 41 and verse 14, a passage that's been with us so much in this last week or two. Fear not, thou worm, Jacob, and ye men of Israel, I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. And then Malachi, Malachi, chapter 1 and verse 2. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, Wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, but Esau I hated. I loved Jacob, Esau I hated. Now, of course, we live in a democratic age. It's very hard for us to understand such a sovereign statement as this. Inexplicable, mysterious, who can explain it away? If you try to, you get into worse confusion than ever. Uh, Yet I have loved Jacob, uh, but Esau I have hated. Uh, You have it again in... um, Romans and chapter 9, verse 10. Not only so, but Rebekah also, having conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born, neither having done anything good or bad, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, even as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. It is not for nothing that the Lord calls us Jacob. And all I want to do this morning is to look through three windows into Jacob's life. Three windows which I think 
sum up, by the grace of God, every child of God's experience. Certainly we all are in the first, even if we don't know it. By the grace of God, I trust we shall all be in the second. And through his infinite grace, I trust and hope we shall all be in the third. The first window you will find in Exodus, uh, in Genesis, I'm sorry, in Genesis. Verse, twen chapter 25. Now I think all of you know that Jacob's name means he who supplants. Um, it, the best modern slang term would be twister. It's precisely what he did. Um, as he was born, he was twisted round his twin brother Esau. He supplanted him. He somehow got out first. He came into the world first. And so he was called, um, more sort of, uh, in a more dignified way, the one who supplants. But the exact Hebrew is simply and only the twister. And in one sense, that gets right to the root of Jacob's character, the twister. Now, I don't know whether you, as a child of God, know yourself as a twister. It is one of the, um, uh, one of the aspects of the education of God to bring us to see the twistedness of our nature, to see what we are. God can do nothing with us until we see what we are. Now, God saves us knowing the worst about us. Many of us have got the idea that God doesn't really know the worst about us. And that really he saved us, and now he's having terrible shocks week by week. As he finds out what's in us. And some of us imagine, imagine God standing back and sort of shaking his head and saying, I don't know why I saved. If I had known what now I know about him or about her, I would never have started. But that's not God. God saved you and he saved me knowing the depravity of our nature, knowing the corruption of our nature, which hardly any single one of us knows. There are depths of depravity. There are depths of corruption. There are depths in us which by the grace of God, we don't even know. This is the first window on Jacob. How is it that God loved Jacob when he was what he was? Well, in uh, verse 27 to 34, we read how uh, Jacob stole uh, the birthright. Now, the birthright meant a lot uh, in uh, the East. It simply meant that whoever got the birthright got the control and the right to most of the land, most of the flocks, most of the wealth. Here it is. 
You know the story how Esau came in uh, hungry. And uh, verse 29, Jacob boiled pottage. And Esau came in from the field and was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me first thy birthright. Now we would quite understand this if this was in a shop, if this was the realm of commerce. But it isn't. It's in a family. This was his own blood brother. But it wasn't only his blood brother, it was his twin brother. It was his twin brother. And Esau said, Behold, I am about to die. And what profit shall the birthright do to me? Jacob said, Swear to me first. And he sware unto him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. And Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. So Esau despised his birthright. That's part of our first picture. Chapter 27. Chapter 27. You know the story again of how he stole Esau's blessing blessing of Isaac upon Esau. Now, <clears throat> you must remember that Jacob was a child of God. Now listen to this, verse 18. He came, Jacob came unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, who art thou my son? And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau, thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, and I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison, that thy soul may bless me. And Isaac said unto his son, How is it that thou hast found it so quickly, my son? And he said, Listen, because the Lord thy God sent me good speed. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near, I pray thee, that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac his father, and he felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So Jacob stole the blessing. You turn over the pages to chapter 29. Well, really, we can't read it all, but it's chapter 29 and 30. As we just read verse 37. Of chapter 30, Jacob took him rods of fresh poplar and the almond of the plane tree and peeled white streaks in them and made the white appear which was in the rods. And he said the rod, and he set the rods which he had peeled over against the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink. And they conceived when they came to drink. And the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth ring straight, streaked, speckled, and spotted. I think you all know the story, how Jacob had said to Laban, all the spotted, ring-straight, and, and, and uh, uh, speckled ones shall be mine, and all the ones in plain, absolute plain, one colour, are yours. And then he set about seeing that as many as possible um, that were born, were born 
ring straight spotted or speckled. Well, now, there's a picture of Jacob. I wonder, really, whether you and I see ourselves there. That is Jacob. He was the biggest twister in the Middle East. He couldn't help it. Yet underneath it all, there was a desire for God. There was an appreciation for the things of God. Isn't that true about you and me? If we have really been saved by the grace of God, underneath everything else, there is a desire and an appreciation for the things of God. We know what is true value underneath it all. But we have this nature. Well, you know, it took the Lord a long time to bring Jacob to see his nature. Uh, I think you have heard me say before that the way God cured Jacob was to send him to the second biggest twister in the Middle East, which was his uncle. <laughs> and these two were together, uh, were left together to deceive one another, to twist one another, and they did it very well for 21 years. First Uncle Laban, then Jacob, then Jacob, then Uncle Laban. Backwards and forwards it went. Even over his wives, he was deceived. And you can imagine that Jacob somehow or other began to wake up. How can a man, my own flesh and blood, do this to me? My uncle, my mother's sister. He gets me to work seven years, and I work really hard so that I may win the hand of Rachel, who I, whom I have loved from the beginning, and when I first saw her. And what does he do? He smuggles in Lear in a great veil. And I find that I've married Lear after seven years' hard work. Seven years! Think of it. You can imagine that when Jacob found out what had happened, he must have thought that was the dirtiest, wickedest, vilest, most depraved trick that any person could play on another. But that that man could be his own flesh and blood, his uncle. Of course, I don't suppose for a moment that Jacob sat down and thought, what have I done to my twin brother? What did I do to my dear old father, Isaac? He never thought. Nor do you. Nor do you. Nor do I. We, never, we all complain about one another. So-and-so. We talk about someone being short-tempered or irritable, and we are actually known for our irritability. Or we talk about someone else being such a talker, and we ourselves are known as a great talker. Or we speak of someone being so mean, and we ourselves are so careful. <laughs> There's a great difference between others who are mean and myself who's careful. See? But so we go on through life. How shall we ever find out what we are? How does God show us ourselves? He cannot, if he had shown Jacob what Jacob was at the very beginning, it would have killed Jacob. It would have killed him. There wouldn't have been a spark of faith in the man. It would have overwhelmed him, the sense of his wickedness, the sense of the potentialities, the evil potentialities in his being, in his nature. No, God was of infinite grace. Little by little, 
little by little, step by step, stage by stage, he brought Jacob to see what he was. First his uncle Laban, then his wife Leah, who was no small deceiver herself. Quite a bit of her father was in her. And then Rachel, who he believed was the purest, sweetest little flower that had ever blossomed on this earth, until he found out, as you can read in the record, that she had got her father in her too, and was just as capable of deception as anyone else. So we've got them all together. Laban, Leah, Rachel, all, as it were, deceiving one another, double-crossing one another, until Jacob finally saw himself. And you can believe that the cry of Jacob's heart is something that must, if you are a healthy child of God, sooner or later come to every single one of us. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? If you're a healthy child of God, that must come sooner or later. If it doesn't come, then there is something wrong. Somewhere or other, there is something wrong. So if you're beginning to feel the wretchedness of what you are, don't give up, don't despair, don't just feel this is the something wrong with me. Why, the farther I go on, the more aware I become of my wretchedness. Don't you, there's glory ahead. This is the way, this is education. People want shortcuts from this, they want to get out of it. They want something which, is, which will act like a drug and blind them to what they are. God took years and years and years with Jacob. Painstaking work. Why, you could almost say, those years are wasted. Twenty-one years double-crossing his uncle. He, mind you, of course, on the material side, he came out with enormous flocks. Enormous flocks. He was a very wealthy man when he'd finished, but he wasn't wealthy in character. He was, he loathed himself. Loathed himself. Now, make no mistake about it. When the Apostle Paul wrote some of his earlier letters, he said he was the least of all saints. When he wrote his last letter, he said he was the chief of all sinners. There's a difference. How is it that the great Apostle Paul, filled with the Spirit of God, so tremendously empowered, how is it that at the end he feels he's the chief of sinners? Or was it just a little dramatic a sort of a bit of rhetoric? I am the chief of all sinners. Because he didn't really believe it. If you'd said it, he would have been angry. No, he knew it. This is the education of God. That's why forever afterwards God calls himself the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob. There's the first window then. Well now then, has God started with you? What about that boss? What about the girl next to you at work? What about the fellow? The bench? Whatever it is, you can be quite sure that God will start, if you mean business, with your education. 
And your education means that you're going to be put with people that are just like yourselves, but you don't think they Oh, no. You'd call them all kinds of names if you weren't a Christian. But sooner or later, you will discover that they're like a mirror. You are seeing yourself. Again and again, the very things we attack are the things which are our own worst points, but we don't know it. It's the same with the church. We complain about this, we complain about that. We complain about this one, we complain about that one. But it is, in fact, we are describing accurately ourselves. That is the first window. The second window you will find in chapter 32. I think you all know it. 24, chapter 32, verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was strained as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the daybreaker. Now the angel said that. Let me go for the daybreaker. And he said, I will not let thee go. That's Jacob. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For thou hast striven with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, that is the face of God. For said he, I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And the sun rose upon him as he passed over Penuel, and he limped upon his thigh. Therefore the children of Israel eat not the sinew of the hip, which is upon the hollow of the thigh unto this day, because God touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh in the sinew of his hip. Here's the second window upon uh, Jacob. When God's preliminary preparatory education had achieved its object, Jacob was ready for the next class, or if you like, the next phase of education. What was the object of that preliminary preparatory education? It was this. Now listen carefully. To bring Jacob to see what he was and to see what God when Jacob left his uncle Laban, it wasn't in the kind of dark blackness of despair. It's no good. He's a deceiver. I'm a deceiver. It's no good. But rather, he said, I'm going back to the promised land. That's where I belong. I see myself, as we sang in that hymn, the confidence of self-despair. He'd seen himself. He'd seen what he was capable of. He was finished. Now either God did something or there was no further hope. That was the objective of God's preliminary and preparatory education. Now may I say a word here. Into every child of God's experience there must come an experience like this. Sooner or later. Oh, 
I will never come to the level of calling it by name. The only name for it is the face of God. It matters not how you come or where you come, but every child of God has got a jabbock if he's going to inherit. Now, I do not say that all children of God are going to inherit their inheritance or possess their possessions, but every child of God who is going to possess what God has so gloriously won for them through the cross has got to come to Jabbok. You've got to come there. Now, what is there about all this talk Sometimes this idea that you can have an experience that makes you sort of uh, like a bounding heart upon the mountains. Thank God for every touch of his. But I tell you, the experience I'm talking about leaves you limping. And make no mistake about it, that is the experience that changes the man from Jacob into Israel. And nothing less. Then, at that moment, he is no longer just a twister. He has power with God and power with men. And everything less than that is transient. Here's another window on Jacob. You can't come into that experience, an experience like that, hiding in one another. God has to lead you and has to lead me in his own ways to the place where we're finished. Yet, not in unbelief. Now, it was faith that took Jacob back to the promised land. Do you get that? It was faith. It wasn't that he just sank in unbelief or he would have stayed where he was. It was faith that took him out and made him leave and go back. He knew not what. All he knew was that his brother, his twin brother Esau, hated him. What faith there was in this man broken by self-despair that he should go back ready to face Esau. Some people, I do believe, would like to enter into an experience such as this. Now, I must be careful when I say there are so many blessings, so many blessings of all kinds of shape and description. I was going to say sizes. Oh, the blessings of God. And we're blessed with them all in Christ. But this that I am talking about, this crisis which must come sooner, sometimes sooner, but certainly always later, if not. This crisis is not something which you can enter into cheaply. Charles Wesley once got to such a stage of brokenness and emptiness that he said it was no good and he shut himself up in a room for the whole night 
That's how that hymn that you and I sang together got written. And those first four verses were written before God touched him. He came out of that place, it's the same night that over a thousand tongues to sing was written. It was that night God met him, but he wrestled with God. Now you can't wrestle with God unless God first comes to you. There is a time! There is a time of visitation! For it says so, the Lord took the initi initiative. There wrestled a man with him. But when that angel of God, the Lord Jesus, the angel of his presence, wrestled with Jacob, then Jacob wrestled with him. And finally, the angel of God's presence said, Let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go. In all the lives that I've known where there's been such a real experience, it has always, always been at great cost. Wesley used to say that the deeper the striving, the greater the brokenness, the more felt the emptiness, then the more infinite the experience. It's true. It's absolutely... So take courage, as Alan Rampath used to say, if you feel uh, conscious of failure, you're very near to the Lord. That's the second window. The face of God. Now you would have thought perhaps Jacob would have called it brokenness. The place of brokenness. No, he didn't call it the place of brokenness. He called it the face of God. He limped. But he never talked about his limp. If you read through the record, he never makes mention of his limp for the rest of it. I don't know whether he felt a bit arthritic or what it was. I know my grandfather had one leg that was slightly shorter than the other and caused him a lot of trouble. But we never hear of Jacob complaining about his limp. It was the face of God. And the thigh was the strongest part of his being. It was symbolic of God touching the very strength of his being. Where is your strength? You can be certainly sure of this, that if God meets with you, he will touch you where you are strongest. The last window, and with this we close, is in chapter 11, uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, verse... 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. That's the last window. Two things, worship and blessing. Is your life a blessing? Is your life a blessing? Is your life worship? You know, when God appeared to Jacob at Bethel, he named it Bethel because of that appearance of God in a, in a dream, in a vision. Do you know what Jacob said? He knew it was God and he said, how terrible is this place? This is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven. Then he said, now look here, Lord. If you look after me and you bring me back safely to this spot, then you're going to be my God. Wasn't that good of him? 
You will be my God. You shall be my God. And I will build you a house here. You know how gracious the Lord is. Many of us do that kind of thing, don't we? We pay, we make vows, all the vows we sometimes make, and the vows we break. We make vows to the Lord. You see, it's the old Jacob-like nature. Can I get something out of him? Can I catch something? See? Can I get him to say he'll do this and this and this if I say that um, I'll do this and this and this? That's a sure sign Jacob didn't know himself. But if Jacob had seen himself, he would never have said, now if I do this, you'll be my God, as if he was doing God a favor. I'll put myself at your disposal. I'll serve you. I'll decide for you. No. No. None of that. At the end of Jacob's life, we're told when Hebrews sums up this man's life, it tells us two things, blessing and worship. Do you call that other thing worship? Oh, how self-centered we all are. How we judge everything by what we get. Every meeting, every message, everything we just, how, how did I uh, benefit? What did I get out of that? Oh, it was a bad meeting. I got nothing. I didn't get anything out of that message. Aye, aye, aye. That's not worship. Worship is not I, but Christ. I decrease, he increases. Oh, all the time it's going out to him. How did this man Jacob become a worshipper? He became a worshipper when he became Israel. No longer Jacob, but Israel. He learned how to worship God. Not what I get, but what God gets. And the blessing. He was able to bless by faith. Leaning on the top of his star, the limp was still there at the end. Mark that God had met him. Oh, dear child of God, just remember this. Whatever God will do with you, you can be certain of three things. The first is he will show you yourself through circumstances, through people, through the church, and you will want to run away. It is the house of God a dreadful place for the old man. That's the first thing. The second thing is, in when he's shown you it, so that you are in absolute despair in one way of yourself, he will prepare a time and meet you. Whether sooner or later, that in your life will be called the face of God. It will be the point when you pass over Jabbok and you will limp. And the third thing is God would make you a blessing. We apologise to the listener, but the master tape finished at this point, approximately 60 seconds prior to Lance finishing his talk. We do apologise. We hope it doesn't spoil your enjoyment of this tape.